Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hi, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. Today I've got an interesting guest, uh, David Bailey. CEO of BTC Media. We're going to be talking about BTC Media and its current transformation and the Let's Talk Bitcoin network. David, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on your on your podcast. Yeah. So um, we were starting to talk offline, but I want to make sure we captured it. So tell me about BTC Media and Let's Talk Bitcoin and what current evolution are you guys going through? Uh, sounds like there was a merger yeah. here and a name change. You know, what's happening? Yeah, so uh what there wasn't a merger. Um, you know, basically, you know, we started as a, a media publication that was Why Bitcoin. And then, you know, we acquired Bitcoin magazine, which um, distributed our enterprise blockchain uh brand about a year and a half ago and you know, mm-hmm. we just continue continued to add new media properties to our our company over the years. Uh Let's Talk Bitcoin was kind of the next next natural uh, uh, opportunity that, that made sense for our company. Um, but, you know, media is just one element of, of the services that we provide. Uh, primarily, our revenue comes from providing services on the B2B level. Um, and so okay. we consider that really more of an information services type business. And so uh, uh, we have a couple different uh, subsidiaries under underneath BTC Inc., um, and one of them is BTC Media, another one is BTC Labs, and another one is BTC Studios. So Studios is like a, a creative agency, marketing agency. Uh, media is a holding company for all of our media assets. And then Labs is a uh, experimental uh, development shop where we're just building nerdy, cool things that that we want to see. Hmm. We have a lot of fun with Um and uh, uh, we do a lot more than just uh, just media. Yeah, tell me um, first about the Let's Talk Bitcoin network. How does that um, figure into your portfolio? And then tell me about the Bitcoin or blockchain related activities that you guys are doing. Yeah, so I mean, we're just uh, uh, massive, massive fans of uh, Bitcoin. I mean, we, we've been in this since 2012. and uh, uh, been, you know, we we just became completely obsessed with the technology, and at the time there was really a complete lack of information or professionally delivered information about the industry, and so that was kind of our impetus behind starting uh, Why Bitcoin, our first publication. Um, everything that we've done after that, uh, when it comes to media companies, has been about that we think do a real service for the community in terms of educating the community about the technology, the opportunities. You know, getting people to think about uh, things in a new way, not just outside of the industry, but within the industry and and taking that great content and then professionalizing the business around it so that it can operate in a in a seamless manner and it can have the resources needed to keep growing. And so, you know, Bitcoin Magazine is a perfect example of this. It was something with amazing content. It had kind of amazing crypto uh, nerds working there. But, you know, me. Uh, operating a media business day to day was not really their cup of tea, and mm-hmm. I think Adam at Let's Talk Bitcoin kind of fell into 
that same category. You know, amazing content that he was creating, amazing content that had rallied behind the Let's Talk Bitcoin network brand. Um, but, you know, Adam doesn't have the resources or the time to single-handedly, you know, take LTB to the next level. And so it was a, a, a good partnership from that regard where we can, we can uh, give it the resources and the platform and the love and attention. Um, and we can let content creators focus on making great content. So are you going through a rebrand of any of yeah. your BTC companies or Let's Talk Bitcoin? What are they going to be called? <clears throat> yeah, so we have uh, pretty exciting plans for LTB. We plan on, on rebranding the, the network this quarter to the Let's Talk network. We're going to be bringing in someone full-time to, to lead the operations of the Let's Talk network. And we are changing the brand, uh, not because we don't, we don't love the name, but because we want to widen the audience. Of, we want to widen the amount of content on the, on the network and we want to uh, widen the audience that it's attracting. And so, you know, when we looked at all the cool stuff that's happening in this industry, there's a lot of overlap with both specific industries, whether that's fintech or health tech or insurance tech or supply chain tech, or whether it's certain emerging technologies, drone technology, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, et cetera. And so we wanted to transition the Let's Talk Network to a platform for great content creators, specifically around podcasts, and give them a platform to talk about all of these different topics and build audiences for their specific podcasts. And the strategy for us behind that is if we can attract people interested in drones or 3D printing or healthcare technology to the Let's Talk network, then it's giving us an opportunity to talk to them also about blockchain technology and digital currency and, and how that tech impacts their interest. And so, you know, it's, it's all about adoption. It's all about growing the community. I mean, there's only... 10 million Bitcoin Bitcoin users worldwide at most, you know, that means that 99.9% of the world is not using crypto. And so we see the market opportunity in serving the 99.9% who aren't using crypto rather than trying to, you know, fight and squabble over a certain percentage of the 0.1% that are. Um, all right. So you, you're hiring someone to run all this. You're going to be expanding the scope. Are you going to be keeping gonna, all the current um, people that's on the Let's Talk Bitcoin network and just, are you going to call different segments of the network the technology that they are? Are you going to have a, yeah, a sure. drone talk network, a, bit, a blockchain network, or yeah, how's it gonna, yeah, yeah. what's the structure going to look like? So we don't have the answers to all of those, those pieces yet. Uh, we're hoping that the, the new project lead will make some of those decisions because there's a lot of nuance in, in making them and, you know, kind of unforeseen consequences when you, when you, you have to really think through these things before you just uh, make decisions. But, um, right. uh, you know, in terms of, you know, what, how we're going to be treating the existing content on the network, we're basically developing a two-track system. So uh, one will be what we're calling our flagship shows. So, you know, uh, Let's Talk Bitcoin will be one of our flagship shows. Um, and we'll have a flagship show for kind of every category of content that we're targeting. Um, and then the second kind of track for podcast will be just our, our network partners. So people who are running their own podcasts under their own brand, um, who are controlling the content entirely, uh, who are uh, really just wanting to leverage our platform less than kind of be a part of the, the company itself per, per se. So we will kind of have different monetization uh, opportunities for each of them. And we will have a, uh, uh, different types of services that are offered to each of them. And, you know, the, the, you know, the more 
the like the, the flagship shows that we're more involved in, of course, we're going to be you know in a position to invest more resources into making those shows build audience. Um, but for the the partner shows, we're going to be you know doing everything we can to help support them, you know, online and, and helping them build their content and maybe even providing some shared resources between those podcasts for you know scheduling or for access to you know uh, uh, potential guests and speakers to interview or uh, giving them access to a pool of advertisers. Um, and, and, you know, helping them monetize their podcast for them and sharing in some sort of revenue cut. So how big is your network right now? Uh, the Let's Talk Network? Yeah, your network. And how big is it? And how big do you think it'll be? Yeah. So, I mean, the Let's Talk, the Let's Talk Bitcoin Network, I mean, it's, it's <clears throat> the same size as it was when we bought it. So we haven't added any content to it yet. Um, we've been talking to a lot of, uh, of great podcasters that have been reaching out to us. And um, we will be adding a show from straight out from China. We'll be adding a show from... Uh, broadcast from Moscow. Um, you know, we we have some interesting uh, content we've been approached with, but nothing finalized. We haven't, you know, had any licensing agreements be, you know, are be being passed around, etc. Um, in terms of how big is the network, <clears throat> you know, that's one of the one yeah. of the challenges that we had when we when we purchased the network is getting accurate analytics on, you know, how many listens are actually on there because there's just the, the network itself is very decentralized in terms of how you consume the content. I mean, there's YouTube, there's SoundCloud, there's iTunes, there's you know the web, website itself, and then you know also like uh, some of this data can be kind of uh, 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 difficult to parse because of you know how many bots there are out there that are being counted, or you know uh, people who are being double or triple counted uh, because of you know how a website page was loaded or something. So we don't have super accurate numbers. Um, but, you know, typically after several months of the a podcast being out on the network, um, that podcast is uh, um, aggregating somewhere between uh, 5,000 and 50,000 uh, uh, listens. So some of the shows have a, a pretty hefty following, but, you know, we want to kind of take it to the next level and, and scale the shows up to a point where, uh, the economics of advertising on the shows makes more sense. So typically, that's when a, when a show can gather uh, uh, 10,000 listens within one week of it being live. Uh, that's starting to build a kind of a critical audience, critical mass for an audience, and and interesting interesting to advertisers. So if the average one is 20,000, how many um, shows are there approximately? What's the ag- approximate again? total of all listens? What's the approximate total of all listens? If it's oh, twenty thousand a month per show times the number of shows, oh, all parked. Yeah, man, dang. You know, another big part of why we bought it is because of the content library that Let's Talk Bitcoin has. I mean, it started in 2013. It has many, many, many uh, thousands of articles and, and podcasts that have been posted on that site. So I couldn't even begin to tell you the aggregate uh, listens of all LTV shows since its inception. But I would estimate it. You know. At many, many, many millions. Okay, well, that's great to know. What about the yeah, um, I mean, financial incentives? This may change, I know, but what are some of the things you're thinking about offering for podcasts? What kind of revenue shares or pricing? You know, can you go into that a bit? Ballpark. Yeah. So, so you know, we haven't made uh, decisions on on that stuff yet. We we want to get the feedback from the content creators themselves about what's an equitable split and you know, what makes sense for them and what makes sense for us. Um, you know, what I, I can say is that, you know, the percentage that we'd be taking of the flagship shows 
is significantly higher than the percentage we'd be taking um, from the uh, 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 network partners. So it really comes down to, you know, getting the feedback from the, the existing podcast, understanding what services they need to help kind of accelerate their shows and figuring out what the balance is between and making sure that we're covering for, for those services and, and have the, the funds to grow the platform. And then also, you know, uh, to make it worthwhile for the podcast creators so that they're not, you know, doing all the work and only getting a fraction of the, of the compensation from it. So it's a, a dialogue that there's not a resolution to yet. Okay. I understand. What are your goals for the, um, for the network for this year or for next year? Do you have any, um, no, even if they're not. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, general goals. Uh, you know, general goals being we want to to migrate the site over to a new um, a new platform. We want to uh, successfully relaunch the brand and put in kind of the key personnel to to make the op- business operate smoothly on a day to day basis. Um, we want to grow the the listener count so that our podcast, every one of our podcasts on the network, is getting you know that that 10,000 plays uh, benchmark. Um, And we want to expand the amount of content. I think right now there's approximately 10 shows on the network. You know, I'm hoping that by the end of the year, maybe we have uh, 20 or or 25 shows on the network. Um, And we also want to implement better uh, uh, mechanism for uh, listeners to consume the podcast and for us to be able to capture better analytics around that. Are you going to have to make any... Uh, custom software to do that? Or you think there's off-the-shelf solutions for all this? There's off-the-shelf solutions. Uh, some of it is kind of enterprise-grade stuff so that it's, um, it's you know, uh, there's a great degree of customization that comes with, with utilizing it and that, you know, either you have kind of a support um, support agents, et cetera, that are, are kind of working with you to, to integrate the uh, content and migrate the content onto those platforms. Um, but yeah, we're not, we're not going to be building it ourselves. And, you know, I know I'm asking you tough questions, but I have to. No, um, no, please. I, kn- I know you don't listen to every podcast. You can't. And I know you don't read every article. You can't. But because you have a view of all the stuff that's going on and your particular interests, I'm sure, get you to listen to some of them. What have you learned that other people don't know? What have you discovered all this great content that you're able to see into? Uh, specifically from, from LTB, or you just mean the kind of the wider market in, in general? Yeah, let's, let's do LTB and then let's expand, you know, let's talk the crypto blockchain side and then let's expand to other areas. Um, so, you know, I would say for LTB, I mean, shoot, probably the, the most useful that LTB, uh, was for me was when I was first getting into crypto. I mean, in 2013, they're just, there wasn't a lot of great content out there. And so uh, Adam and Andreas and, and Stephanie Murphy were kind of like the go-to, go-to people to listen to. Uh, I think the first Bitcoin conference I ever attended was the San Jose 2013 uh, Bitcoin conference done by the Bitcoin Foundation. And uh, uh, Adam and um, Stephanie and Andreas were live broadcasting from a, from a brewery down the street. I remember meeting them in person, just like, you know, fanboying, like, oh, I can't believe I'm meeting Adam and, and Andreas. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, they were extremely, extremely helpful. And just uh, my initial 
uh, exploration and understanding of the tech and you know, beginning to kind of understand the possibilities around what the tech can do. In general, on, on a wider level across all of our media, I mean, shoot, there's so much, there's so much information that flows through our, our offices, not just from our writers and our, and our uh, content creators, but uh, primarily from our, our business clients. So the companies that we work with, um, providing marketing services or consulting services, et cetera. And, I mean, dude, juicy, juicy stuff. I mean, so much stuff. <laughs> I, I, well, you know, the, probably the juiciest, most interesting thing that, um, you know, we kind of learned about really before anyone else was probably, probably the PBOC launching their own digital currency, the People's Bank of China launching basically RMB fiat coin. Hmm. And uh, we, we learned about this about a year and a half ago or so. And now there's material out in the public about it, but it's uh, probably the, one of the most interesting things I've, I've seen in this space. It's pretty mind blowing to think that we've gotten to the point where where China is going to roll out their own digital currency. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, we were talking offline, you know, about uh, exchanges, and you seem to have some good insight about them. So that's why I asked. Any other um, any other great insights you've gotten just about? You know, well, again, we'll start with crypto. Do you feel like you have a good view of the landscape of what a lot of the companies are doing and the initiatives? You know, what other great insights have you gotten by, you know, having this network? Yeah. yeah. So, I, I mean, I would probably say that, that we have one of the best perspectives on the industry of really anybody in the world because we work with so many companies, many of them competing that we get to have insight into their specific worldview. And, you know, like mm. a, a great example of this is like, Bitmain and Bitfury are customers of ours. So we get to hear the Bitfury side and perspective when it comes to the block size debate, and we get to hear the Bitmain side. And you'd be surprised how different these sides sound when they're describing the same set of events. You know, I mean, perspective is, is really critical, um, you know, when you're, when you're trying to understand the context around something. And so, um, well, let's, let's, um, let's talk about some of the, the difficult issues. I mean, so the block size debate, you don't have to necessarily yeah. say what you believe, but what do you see oh. as, what do you guess will happen with the block size debate? And these are impossible questions for anybody, but I ask you because yeah. you have more insight, as you said. Yeah. So, I mean, on the, on the, uh, my personal opinion on this and I'll, and I'll share it um, because, you know, Bitcoin magazine gets a fair amount of uh, criticism um, from Reddit our, Bit, our BTC, because uh, we write a lot of content about segregated witness and Lightning Network, and you know people people don't like that. But um, you know our perspective is that Bitcoin has to scale, and uh, the the structure, the 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 amount of of use cases for Bitcoin and blockchain technology are so vast and so immense that a one megabyte block size or a hundred megabyte block size or a gigabyte block size, none of these are going to be sufficient for wow. the amount of, of uh, transactions and uses that people have for the tech. And so, you know, we envision, you know, a world where, uh, you know, maybe machines, machine to machine economic activity is the primary uh, economic activity happening globally. 
And, you know, maybe the amount of transactions that are occurring on a, on a per second basis is not, you know, uh, 10,000 or 100,000 or even 10 million, but, but potentially trillions. I mean, when you look at an internet browser and you think of cookies, you could almost think of a cookie on a, on a, a user session on the internet as an economic, uh, activity that's occurred. You know, if you added up all the cookies that, uh, that are, you know, uh, uh, happen, happen every day on the internet. I mean, that number gets into the trillions. So, you know, we see, uh, uh, that's where this is going. And it's going to even, it's going to be way bigger than, than, you know, the amount of data we're consuming and making and the amount of interactions between objects, uh, uh, is going to be growing exponentially. And so wow. we do not see how it's possible to do on-chain scaling to meet that market demand. Um, in a way that doesn't cause the Bitcoin networks to become massively centralized into a handful of, of, of data centers around the world. And, um, you know, so from our perspective, layer two scaling is an absolute essential necessity. I mean, it just has to happen. There's no other answer. Um, now, you know, whether we should have a block size uh, increase while we're building those layer two uh, uh, um, solutions, that's where we should be having a debate, but not whether we should be adopting segregated witness or whether we should be investing time and energy into Lightning Network and, and uh, other uh, uh, scaling solutions. Like I, it's uh, uh, absolutely essential that we have those layer two solutions built out. Um, so that, that's our perspective on it. I mean, I, I heard a really good analogy huh. from one of our clients about uh, uh, you know, the, the Bitcoin debate or the block size debate. You know, it's like, imagine your household having a trash can outside and, you know, the uh, Bitcoin core argument is like, you know, you, you start filling up this trash can and at a certain point uh, every day, the trash can starts to overfill. And the, the right. Bitcoin core uh, development team is basically saying, guys, we need to analyze uh, how much food we're eating. We need to be more efficient. We need to, we need to cut back on our consumption. Um, so that way, you know, we can we can have a more sustainable uh, uh, path. And the right. uh, uh, you know Bitcoin XT crowd are more like, hey, we just need to buy a bigger trash can. Let's just keep making the trash can bigger, and we can keep putting more stuff in it. And you know, that's right. clearly just not a long term a long term answer to the to the problem of of you know lack of storage. So you know, that's that's our perspective on it. We try to cover both sides uh, fairly. We have immense respect for Roger Beer. I consider him a friend, and I, I think he's a, a genius uh, business strategist. And we have a lot of respect for Jihan Wu at Bitmate. I mean, people are giving him a hard time on Reddit, but it's like the guy's like 29 years old, and he's built a, a billion-dollar wow. company that has hundreds of employees. Like, that, he should be being celebrated. I mean, he translated yeah. the uh, Bitcoin white paper into Chinese. I mean, he's... He's partially responsible for why Bitcoin's even in China. And so, wow. you know, I think that there's a lot of mudslinging going around and a lot of, you know, hurt emotions and a lot of Internet trolls and a lot of rumors and, you know, bullcrap that are that are fragmenting the community. But, um, you know, we're absolutely believers that, you know, Bitcoin's future is so bright that uh, we have to have a system that allows it to scale infinitely. And you know that's what that's why we see layer two as important. Well, you you probably answered this, but um, what about the possibility that Bitcoin just sticks to 
monetary transactions and Ethereum or other blockchains handle other types of transactions, like you know, information moving, IoT communications, that kind of thing. But I guess the yeah. real question is, what do you think it's going to take for Bitcoin to become ubiquitous, to become, let's say, a global currency that, you know, I go to a store and do you take Bitcoin? Of course we do. You know, and it's just everywhere. Will it happen? Right. Can it happen? What, what's it going to take for that to happen? Yeah, I think, I mean, I, you know, I come from the old school mentality uh, on this stuff, but I think, you know, absolutely it's going to happen. And I think that uh, the only condition is time. I think it's just going to take time. And people forget, you know, that we're building a currency uh, and or a, a, a protocol to replace the institutions that society has as depended upon for thousands of years. And so, we're, you know, we're not playing a four-year or five-year or 10-year game here. We're playing a 50-year, 100-years, 1,000-year game. I mean, we're trying to build an economic system that people are going to use for generations. And so, you know, when you look at the adoption of Bitcoin today, it's pretty remarkable how quickly it's grown. I mean, we have millions of users around the world and, you know, Bitcoin has never been more uh, or, or, or less user friendly than it was in the past. Like it's Bitcoin's only improving on a day by day basis. So, you know, I think just time and I think humans naturally always under what's the what's the phrase? Well, they underestimate what they can get done in a year, but over yeah, I mean, exactly. sorry, overestimate and underestimate what they can get done in five years yeah. or 10 years. They, they overestimate the short term and they underestimate the long term. And I think Bitcoin's a perfect example of that. I mean, even the Internet. I mean, the Internet seems like the super recent technology. The Internet's only, you know, been around, what, really kind of almost 45 years from its like experimental days. And, yeah. you know, it's been around, what? 30, almost basically 30 years from its commercial, when it started becoming commercialized? I mean, I've been around, I'm, I'm uh, about to be 42. So I was on the internet in, you know, I was on CompuServe in 89 on bulletin boards. And you know, I was around in 93, um, using it a bit. And it seems like it really started taking off maybe 95. So it's really only been, you know, 22 years that the internet, for most people, been used and been around, I would say, since 95. And it really only started taking off and being ubiquitous once uh, smartphones got strong enough. I, I believe, personally, it just it just seems like, to me, I remember it wasn't your default mental uh, thought to say, oh, I'll just Google it, um, until really about probably 2005. So it's, it's been in stages, but yeah, it's become more and more pervasive, and now it's everywhere, and yeah, that's what I've seen with it. Yeah, yeah my and, personal I mean, so... So since you've started using it, I mean, that was almost almost 30 years ago, 29 years ago. And yep. uh, the global Internet adoption is only at 50 percent. So, you know, we sure. think of the Internet as like the fastest growing, most quickly adopted technology out there. But it's taken 30 years to get to 50 percent. So, you know, Bitcoin right now is at uh, what? Uh, uh, point point one percent. Um mm. You know, give it give it twenty years and let's see where Bitcoin's at. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be pretty closely mirrored to what the internet did. And you know, the way that we've been looking at this technology, you know, we a lot of people compare it. You know, it's like, oh, you know, Bitcoin, Bitcoin or, or blockchain is like the internet in the nineties. <clears throat> we actually take a longer perspective on this, historically speaking. You know, if you look back in history, 
probably the closest thing that you can find <clears throat> is is the you have to go all the way back to when uh, the printing press was created, and you know the printing press liberalized information and freed information from the political establishment, which was the church at that time. And it allowed people to create information that was not censored, and it allowed people to share information much more broadly and much more quickly, um, rather than having to use you know monasteries and monks to translate stuff. And it was only you know ten years later, not not that there's an exact day that's nailed down in history, but roughly ten years later, that double entry, the double entry accounting system was created with uh, in oh. in. Um, Northern Italy, basically very close to where the printing press was created. And the double entry accounting system enabled for the first time merchants to do global trade in countries that they did not know because they had a mechanism to to keep the accounting of that economic activity. And so they were able to start doing uh, uh, transactions and business with people that traditionally in the past they wouldn't have been able to, to, to work with. And that caused a proliferation of trade, of ideas, of cultures. And uh, the two of those technologies combined, the printing press and the double entry accounting system, which we think, you know, well, were funny, really kind um, of intrinsically linked. It's funny. That well, was the first ledger. That was really the first ledger on, the, on paper. You know, if you think right, about well, actually, uh, block, blockchain, you know. Yeah, well, there's actually one, one ledger earlier than that. When we started having written language for the first time. So now you can actually write something rather than, than, than speak it. We had single entry accounting systems. So you had uh, uh, abacuses where people were just basically sliding and counting and trying to, to use tally sticks to keep track of certain quantities. But that was just kind of internal accounting, so to speak. Double entry accounting yeah. allowed you to basically transact with somebody outside of your organization and then be able to uh, reconcile the books to know, does everything add up as it should? So um, you know, those two technologies, the, the, the printing press and the double entry accounting system, uh, when they came to market over the next two to 300 years, you saw Western society emerge from the dark ages and enter, uh, the Renaissance, which the Renaissance, not coincidentally, started in Northern Italy, um, where both of these technologies kind of got root first, rooted first. You saw, a massive proliferation of new technologies, new ideas. Uh, you saw the first global trading companies. And it, it ultimately, that all this scientific discovery led to an industrial revolution. And so, you know, when I look at the internet and blockchain, I see the, the, the internet being the modern day printing press. Now people can communicate globally anywhere and at no cost instantaneously. And blockchain is the accounting mechanism, is the trust mechanism that will enable people to do digital commerce where they don't even have to physically see the person. They don't even have to physically see the, the goods that are being bought and sold. And so yeah. uh, uh, we, we see this as like a really a, a, an important time in history where uh, we have the opportunity to kick off a new golden age in global society, uh, a new renaissance. And maybe even a new industrial revolution, maybe one led by robotics and automation and artificial intelligence. And so, you know, we're just we're 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 really excited about where this technology is, and we think you know the the internet and blockchain coupled together is going to be one of the most powerful inventions that has happened in the past 700 years, really. 
That's long-winded a answer, but I mean, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, yeah, 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 yeah. Long answer. Well, I like your long-term perspective. I mean, it's rare, you know, a lot of, uh, it seems like a lot of people, especially in this industry are, are think, uh, they're a grandfather after being in it for three years, you know, and, uh, the <laughs> things are a lot much longer term than that. <clears throat> so I'm glad oh, you're yeah. talking in this way. So last, um, last question or so, you may have answered this, may not, I don't know. What's your vision for the future of the Let's Talk Network, you know, in the next year and a half, let's say? Yeah, so I I, I answered this a, a little bit earlier, but just more content, more, uh, a, a larger audience, more resources made available to the content creators to help professionalize their podcast, and, and uh, uh, more structure around the, the organization, professionalizing the business so that it's set up for kind of long-term growth. Having licensing agreements in place with the with the actual podcast, you know, having uh, uh, analytics tools in place that are standardized, et cetera, so we can capture good data. You know, really just mm. taking it from something that's a community resource <clears throat> with community content creators to a professional resource. Um, you know, still run by the same community and still having the same type of content, but with the shine and polish of kind of a, a professional execution on top of it. And that's what it's going to take to scale in your mind, or that's what will facilitate it scaling. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. I'll, I could give some anecdotes here, but I, I won't. Uh, but ab- absolutely. You have to do those things. I mean, it's part of growing up. You know, I mean, it's just, it's, you know, Bitcoin's not a hobby anymore. It's a $30 billion industry, and it's going to be a $300 billion industry, you know, in the next, within the next 10 years. And so it's, it's you know... You either actually, you either professionalize or you get beat. Yeah, actually, would would you mind giving one anecdote because I think it's really important. I think that um, especially Bitcoin, blockchain, and cryptos, um, they will need to grow up. Um, so I think an anecdote would really be helpful if you have maybe one that really changed you as a person that taught you what needs to be done to scale to grow up, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, shoot. If it's embarrassing, you know, I mean, I have some myself. Believe me. You know, feel feel free. Yeah. So I'll, you know, I'll tell one about ourselves because I don't want to give any anecdotes about <laughs> the companies that we've bought because they probably wouldn't appreciate that very much. Uh, okay. But uh, you know, uh, when we were getting off the ground, we <laughs> we did uh, uh, Y Bitcoin. You know, we did uh, I think our second issue, our third issue, we did an artist rendering of um, of the bull on in New York, the the Wall Street bull. And um, so we did this artistic rendering. We had an artist to draw it. It was, it was really cool. And we, it, I think the headline was like, Bitcoin comes to Wall Street. And, you know, we were so proud. We shipped the publication off, uh, print, I think, 50,000 of the magazines, which is, a, you know, cost a lot of money to do. Mm-hmm. And right when they come off the printer, we get a phone call from a law firm saying that they represent the artist that created the bull, the Wall Street bull. Right. And that that is copyrighted. Uh, uh, um, that's a copyrighted piece of art. And any images, artistic renderings, or any type of creative work in the likeness of the bull is in, is copyright infringement. And uh, we needed to be prepared to to pay a significant sum of money to the artist, or we needed to destroy all the all the printed publications and and throw them out. Right. Well, you know. We've, uh, it's a print product. We've already sunk like all this money into to making this magazine. We can't just cut it up and throw it out. We'll go bankrupt. And yeah. so 
you know, That's I had to horrible. get on the on the phone with the artist and just basically beg, you know, to like settle this for uh, only a few thousand dollars and, and, and you know, get it over with. Because we literally had no idea. It's such a famous image. I had no idea that you could copyright that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. That's but, sad. you know, yeah. But we were, we were fortunate that they worked with us. So to give them credit. But if they hadn't, you know, been so nice, they literally could have bankrupted our company right there. And so wow. ever since that's happened, we've taken a much more serious approach to knowing, you know, the copyright and the history of the content and where every photo and piece of art came from, et cetera. And, you know, if, if we didn't do that, we wouldn't be able to scale and grow the company because it, we're just basically growing until some sort of we hit some landmine that comes and potentially bankrupt, bankrupts us. So that's a story from us. I, I could give. Worst stories that are actually pretty pretty shocking, but I won't. No, that's a good anecdote, and that really helps because uh, obviously this is a you know an important thing to you, and you've had uh, scary moments, you know, not listening to what needs to be done. So it's important that we talk about it. You know, so that's why I asked. All right, yeah. Um, last thing I want to ask you is: so, what resources can we give to listeners that want to get involved in the Let's Talk Network and you know BTC Media and learn more about what you guys do and listen to your podcast and read the articles and, you know, get engaged. Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, please, you know, read our content, listen to the Let's Talk Network, come to our conferences, uh, share our content. We have Bitcoin Magazine. We have Gong Shure and Chain B in China. We have Why Bitcoin, which is our Bitcoin 101 guide. We have Distributed, which is our enterprise blockchain property. Um, we have the Let's Talk Network. Uh, we have DevSub, which is a developer portal, uh, educational portal. So, you know, we have a lot of great properties to engage with, interact. And so please, please consume our content. And we're always looking for great content creators. And so, you know, if you have an opinion on Bitcoin or an expertise or an interesting perspective to bring, um, we're definitely interested in talking to you and, and figuring out if, if you're a fit with any of our media properties. Um, I will say uh, something that's, that's, Related to Let's Talk Bitcoin, uh, that I actually haven't really talked about um, publicly, uh, basically okay. at all, uh, is uh, a media project that we're rolling out—a blockchain-based media project um, that we will be deploying to all of our media properties and also many of our our media partners out there in the world, um, which is called Poet. And Poet is basically uh, proof of existence 2.0. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the old proof of existence, proofofexistence.com, uh, but it's, it's no. basically a tool that, that allows you to uh, hash content against the Bitcoin blockchain so that you can prove uh, the, a certain file was hashed at a certain time. And anyone else who has that, that file can come and upload it and check to see if the hash matches anything that's already been hashed to the chain. Um, so pretty cool little use case is actually the first uh, uh, it was the first non-Bitcoin application of blockchain technology. Um, and oh, so, really cool. uh, yeah, it's built, it's built on top of the, uh, the Bitcoin blockchain. And so we hired those developers who, who built that to build proof of existence 2.0, which we call Poet. And, um, Poet is basically a tool for media companies to catalog their, uh, creative assets, their media assets, their intellectual property, which could include photos, quotes, podcasts, video, CGI work, post and pre-production work, uh, uh, written articles, um, 
uh, all sorts of stuff, all sorts of, of, of cool stuff that, that media companies have. It allows them to, to catalog their, their ownership of that content. And then we have uh, uh, a block explorer. It's open source, so really anyone can deploy one. But we've created a block explorer that allows people to go and discover all the content that's hashed against the blockchain um, and then be able to uh, find the licensing rights of that content and, and, and license the content without ever having to engage the content creator themselves directly. So imagine like an open, decentralized Shutterstock, um, but for um, not just photos, any type of media, media content. Um, so it's a, it's a pretty cool project, something that we're really excited about. There's a lot of, of um, uh, cool things that could be built on top of that that I, I won't go into on this podcast, but um, it's a project that we haven't announced yet publicly, but um, we're really excited about. And there will be um, uh, uh, some sort of, of token mechanism for the uh, notaries on the network to have consensus about um, whether someone's being a, a bad actor or not. And um, uh, we're going to be letting all of the Let's Talk Bitcoin uh, um, listeners that own LTB coin, which was a, a token that Adam created to help with content engagement. We're going to let all right. of them uh, exchange their LTB coins for these poet tokens so that they have some sort of stake in that project and, and can um, uh, participate in, in the success of that open platform um, since they can't really do much with their LTB tokens anymore. So uh, really cool project, something that we're really excited to roll out. Um, a lot of uh, of interesting use cases, and I think it's going to create a really great uh, user experience for people that consume our content um, across any of our media channels. And uh, I'm I'm excited to to uh, get the project out there in the in the next couple of weeks. Well, David, that's great. Thanks so much for taking the time, and uh, you're a wealth of knowledge. You get a lot of interesting nuggets of uh, of, of things we haven't even scratched the surface. I knew you had a lot of great stuff hidden, hidden in there. So thank you for doing the podcast. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank you for having me on. And, and uh, uh, anytime you, you uh, want to bring me back, would love to do it. I can talk Bitcoin blockchain all day, every day. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.